Hello, everybody. Welcome back to episode 11 of Brave and Boss, the podcast. Today, I'm sharing the best and the worst business advice I've ever received. So let's get started. Welcome to Brave and Boss, a podcast for the purpose-driven founder who wants to grow their e-commerce business. I'm your host, Christy Sumer. I'm the CEO and founder of the Ethical Fashion Line Encircled, a conscious business coach and passionate about helping you break through your limits and build a brand that matters. Let's do this. Hello, I'm happy to be with you again for episode 11. And today I'm sharing the best and the worst business advice I've ever received. It's almost impossible to go on Pinterest or Instagram today and not see tons and tons of quotes. Myself, I share my own quotes as well on my own Instagram, as well as on Brave and Boss and on Encircled's Instagram. But I also am very careful with the words that I use and the advice that I give and the context in which it's in. Because oftentimes people can just write anything on the internet and it's true because it's there and it's out there. And sometimes well-meaning people give really bad advice. I'm not sure if you've had this in your own life, but I definitely have had advice before in the past that was really terrible in many instances, not just in business, but in life as well. And usually people have really good intentions, but sometimes they just don't know any better. They don't know what goes on in your life or your business, or maybe they're pushing their own values and their own perceptions on to you, which isn't really fair. So today I wanted to kind of do a bit of a roundup episode because I thought it'd be really fun to go over the best and worst business advice I've ever received. And I'm going to start, I'm going to alternate. So I'm going to do one good and one bad. And I've got a few for each just to keep you guys going for a little bit. So this will be a shorter episode, but Hopefully you'll find a lot of value in it and take something away. All right. So one of the first best pieces of advice I've ever received was from somebody who I consider a mentor, though she does not actually mentor me directly. I do actually work with her and her B-School program at a talented lady named Marie Forleo. And one of her quotes is, everything is figure outable. And that quote and that piece of business advice was integral to me starting Encircled, my fashion line. And here's why. When you start something new, and particularly myself being not from the fashion industry per se, and never have made a product from scratch um, in the fashion industry, you know, there's a lot of stuff that can really trip you up. And just hearing that mantra, like everything is figure outable. Okay. You can figure it out. You can figure it out is a reminder that there's always a solution to the problem that you're facing. And that is something that I think is really critical when you're starting a business or you're starting a new path or a new career. It's you're going to run into things that you don't know. You don't know the answers to, or you don't know how to proceed, or you don't even sometimes what happens when you're an entrepreneur, if you guys can relate you don't even know what next steps to take to find out what you don't even know that you know or need to know. So you may want to do something, but you don't even know what that even takes. And I'll give you a, like a really simple example. This is going to sound really silly probably to a lot of people, but I've been handwriting checks in my business since I started. So I have a checkbook, I handwrite them and I mail them. 
And it's a very manual process for a company that's e-commerce driven and, you know, runs in the cloud mainly. And so I was like, I want to start like printing checks. Sounds like legit, right? Uh, just going to start printing some money. And then I was like, I don't know how to do this. So I was like, do you like print on blank paper? Do you need special paper? Like what are all these steps to print a check? So I basically started with you know, asking those beginner questions. So I went to somebody who I know who'd given me a check that was printed out and looked super professional. And I said, Hey, I know this is like a silly, maybe kind of a stupid question, but how do you print your checks? And they kind of gave me a high level um, overview of what they use and what system they use. It wasn't the system that we use for accounting. So I had to kind of double back and do some research with that. Talk to our accounting firm. They referred me to some blog posts on our accounting systems website. Then I researched some suppliers. Then I had to go back and forth with our accounting system. And eventually I created my own check stock, got it ordered, and now I'm printing checks. But at the beginning of that, I was like, I don't even know where to begin. So sometimes the best place to begin is with a beginner's mind and starting from zero and asking those quote unquote silly questions to people who may have done it before. So everything is figureoutable. Marie Forleo, you rock for giving that advice. It has stood with me for years and years and years in my business. And I think I still recite it to myself every time I run into a roadblock. So here's a bad piece of advice I've received. And it's actually more life advice because I wasn't running a business at the time. But I'll tell a little story about how it came about. Growing up, I was an athlete. Not sure if you guys know that, but I played ice hockey, competitive soccer, volleyball, tennis. I was a golfer. I also played baseball um, when I was younger, uh, like slow pitch softball. So I was in basketball. I was into every single sport. I was a major, major, major tomboy. And because of that, I guess I like our school was really good at sports. Like in elementary school, we we generally were really good. I was on the track team. I did every single sport you could imagine there. I just wanted to try everything. And I was really good. So I played on the team and I would always, on our baseball team, I would always get home runs and I played shortstop and I played pitcher and I had, you know, I did really well. And I think at the time too, as a kid, you know, you don't really know how good you are. And I didn't really have a sense of my abilities. And I guess I had a little bit of low self-esteem as a child just from my upbringing. And so I never really thought I was that good. But I will never forget one game where we were playing against the school and we were winning like six to one or something like that. And I think this was when I was like 11 or 12. And the coach of our team, our baseball team at my elementary school said, you know, Christy, I don't think we should score any more runs. So I'd like you to bat the other way. So it was my turn up to bat. And he was like, well, you bat right. I'd like you to bat left because I think I don't want you hitting any. um..." He basically didn't want me hitting, getting on base. And he thought if I batted left, it would be basically hinder me from hitting a home run. And I actually really thought about batting left. I went up to the plate and I said, you know, these people's, you know, my coach had indicated that I was hurting people's feelings by being too good um, and that I should play down my skill level a bit to make the other team feel better about themselves, essentially. And I decided 
not to do that. So I decided to go up to the plate and I hit right-handed and I drove a home run and a grand slam. Actually, there's people on the bases and everybody came in and I got benched for the next five games because I didn't listen to his advice on being more sensitive to people's feelings and not making too much and not winning. And to me, that advice stuck with me for a while that I shouldn't be too good. Like, I don't want to hurt people's feelings. If I'm too good, I'm, you know, somebody else is losing. And that kind of mentality, that lack mentality and that advice, I think is just the worst. And I can't believe that gym teacher would even be able to give out that kind of advice. And I think that's, I don't imagine, and I can't say this for a fact, but I don't imagine that the the boys team was getting that advice. I think it was just the girls team getting that advice. And so it really took me years to like shake that off because I was very competitive and I wanted to always win. And the fact that I wanted to win made me feel bad that I was hurting somebody else's feelings. So I think that advice really, really sucked. And I'm glad I was, I think I had the sense enough to not take it. But it definitely would enter my mind whenever I was doing really, really well at something. I, I always felt like I should let somebody else do well too. And by doing well, I couldn't have all of that like wealth and abundance. I had to give it to other people. So it's just, that's terrible advice. All right. So back to another good piece of advice that I received. I've talked about this actually in a few interviews lately because I've been asked this question um, quite a few times actually on podcast interviews. And the best, I guess, another great piece of advice I received was actually when I was about to quit my job to jump full-time into my fashion business in circles. And I was having a conversation over sushi with one of my best friends, Deb. And I wasn't sure, should I do it? Should I not? Like, you know, I was very nervous. I wasn't like fresh out of university. I was not Mark Zuckerberg. Zuckerberg, oh my gosh, Zuckerberg building um, Facebook in his dorm room. Like I'd been working um, for 10 years in my career and I got an MBA and I had another degree and I didn't know if I was ready to let that all go. And the thing she said to me is that you can always go back. And it's true. You know, you have these opportunities to build businesses and some of those opportunities are once in a lifetime and you're never going to have that specific business at that specific time. So you got to sometimes just seize the opportunities. And if you are in a career and you do have the bandwidth and the financial savings to make that leap and, you know, follow your heart and go into, you know, your passion project and your business, then you're going to always go back to your career. Nobody's going to look at you and say, you know, look at her. She like failed her business and then came back to corporate. What a loser. Like they're going to be in admiration of your skills and how you took such a huge risk. So that's a really great piece of advice. If you are thinking about quitting your job, think about like, obviously you want to you know, have savings and a financial safety net and stuff like that. But some of these opportunities for businesses don't come along all the time. So you want to be living your life in a way that you can feel very proud of the decisions that you make and knowing that there's always another opportunity out there if you do need to take it. Um, that really was pivotal in helping me quit my full-time job to go into Encircled. All right. So the other second horrible piece of business advice that I received was 
a funny conversation that I had in a bar. These business advice ones are really funny because they're all like just ad hoc conversations I've had with people. But I happened to be out at a bar on Queen Street and which is like this kind of funky neighborhood where I live and just talking to a guy, um, about my business. I had just started in circles. So this is a while ago and I was working full time and I was hustling on the side, um, evenings and weekends working on encircled. And I met this guy at the bar and I was asking him what he does. And he said he worked for, um, one of a very prominent businessman who's an investor in Canada. And he's actually on a show in the U S called shark tank. I think he's still on it. And he used to be on dragon's Den in Canada. And I guess he was an investment analyst for him. Um, so basically what that means is that he, um, you know, analyzes the company's investments and decides whether or not you should make the investment in them. And he basically told me when I top lined what I was doing, what my business idea was, he said, you know, you'll never, um, build a successful business making stuff in Canada. You need to send that overseas and you need to send your product to the cheapest manufacturing place ever, um, that you can find because people don't care about ethically made and they want a cheap product at a cheap price. And at the time I was like very taken by that advice because I knew, well, the guy who he worked for was very, very successful and I could actually see him saying that as well. Um, and it kind of felt like, oh my God, is this like the worst idea ever? Should I be making this in like Cambodia? Um, not in Canada. Like, am I ever going to be a success like this? And do people even care where it's made? Um, and I was so new in the business that I didn't really have enough customer insights to really even validate against whether or not that was true. Um, but I did want to follow my gut. I'd worked in, you know, consumer packaged goods. I've worked in retail. I've worked for retailers who use channels of distribution that are overseas that don't have the most, um, ethical supply chains or don't even really care where their stuff come from. And I knew that working in that industry didn't feel great internally and intuitively for me. So I just said, you know, if I care about where my products made, there's got to be other people out there who care as well. And I decided with Encircled that we all were going to make stuff in Canada. We were going to make the product here locally and that people do care. And I don't think that was a mistake. I do think people care. It's still a very small segment of people, but it is growing. So the trend is definitely our friend in terms of ethical manufacturing and transparency and sustainability because more and more people are caring. However, it is a slow growth and for sure it would have been easier to make a lot more money, you know, running it out of like a sweatshop in Cambodia, but it wouldn't have felt good. Inherently to me, it's just not aligned with my values. And to me, it's like a flash in the pan. So what to make like a couple million dollars in a few years and then just like, you know, sell the business or whatever. I don't know. I was more interested in building a brand that felt good from the inside out. So that was the second worst piece of advice I've ever received. Okay. So the third piece of my third favorite piece of business advice I've ever received is actually from Tony Robbins, who does not mentor me directly, but I follow him and I'm trying to go to um, Unleash the Power Within in the next year or so with my friend Deb. 
Um, and I love his quote, stay committed to your decisions, but stay flexible in your approach. Now, this one I really love because it speaks to the fact that, you know, you have to honor your commitments and whether that's in business or life, but be flexible in your approach to them. So when I think about this in business, I think about that, you know, the values of the business are really um, important to me at Encircled My Fashion Line, and perhaps you have similar kinds of values at your business as well, but you can be flexible in the way you approach those values in the sense that, you know, you can always change your supply chain. So for example, making stuff in Canada. So, you know, that's my commitment with Encircled to continue making our clothing here. But do I have to use third-party contractors always? No, I could maybe build my own factory or maybe um, bring everything completely in-house and rearrange our business model to support that or maybe do a hybrid model with some contractors and some out-of-house um um, contractors and some in-house production. There's, you're never tied to one way of doing things. And I think the way that, um, the internet and the world works, it's just really important to always be flexible because what helped you build your business at the beginning may not be what works now. And I am absolutely living proof on that because I've talked about it a little bit, I think on this podcast, but with Encircled, we used to work with influencers all the time when I was starting my business and the impact from working with them was incredible. Like when they would do a post, I mean, our website would blow up and we do not see that same sort of return on investment or impact from working with influencers today. That's just the reality. For sure, there's exceptions, but in 99 out of 100 of the cases, most of the influencers will see maybe a couple of sales, maybe some followers on Instagram. But for the most part, they don't have the same influence that they do before because there's so many more influencers um, and it's more fragmented and our brands become more familiar to certain niches. So there's lots of things there. So if I was going to say, I'm just going to keep working with influencers for the rest of our business, I couldn't work with them in the same way that we worked with them from day one. I'd have to find a more flexible approach and way of working with them. So I love this advice because it talks to that notion of always evolving and continuous improvement that I always encourage people that I coach to integrate into their business. So how can you adjust and adapt? And a lot of this comes from looking at those oh-so-scary analytics and figuring out what's working and what's not. All right, so I'm going to wrap up with my last piece of worst business advice that I've ever received. And this is no diss against this woman because she did not give it to me directly, but I think the quote is often really misused in the Instagram and Pinterest world. And the quote is, do what you love and the money will follow, Marsha Sinetta. And there's a whole book on this. And I know it goes very many places in that book that are a little bit different than this quote, but this quote is often shared. And I think it's definitely a dreamy quote. It sounds amazing. The reality is you can do what you love and no money will follow. (laughs) So I'm not here to like, be Debbie Downer on this, but the reality is building a business is a long game. And if you're integrating your passion into your business and following that, there's a lot of hustle. So there's a lot of actresses and like actors out there who have hustled in Hollywood for years before their big break for like 10, 12, 15, 20 years making no money at that time. 
I personally didn't pay my, I've talked about this a lot, but I didn't pay myself for the first almost two years and encircled. I was living off of my savings and my tax refunds and going into somewhat of a debt position. And I was following what I loved, but the reality was the business model didn't support a salary at that point. So you need to have number one, you, you can definitely do what you love. I, I am a full proponent of that. However, you need to have a plan. You need to understand that there will be a period of time often where the financial uncertainty will be there. Maybe the money will eventually follow, but you know what follows for me, I think more than money in doing what you love is fulfillment. So I'm at a stage where I'm nowhere near still the salary I was making when I was in corporate and I've been full-time in my business for four years. Um, and that's not, I don't think that's unusual. And I was definitely making a very high salary at one point in time. So it's, it's definitely hard to overcome that, I think, but I am way more fulfilled in my business. I do work quite hard, but I also worked really hard when I was in corporate too. I wasn't working 40 hour work weeks, um, when I worked for other people, that's for sure. But the fulfillment, the fulfillment and the alignment of my values with my passion is unmistakable. When you can truly feel good about what you're doing for your vocation and for your work, it's incredible. You know, and I often see people who, and I look back on myself too a little bit and think of like some of the work that I did and not that it was bad or wrong or criminal or anything like that, but like some of the stuff, you know, I was helping some businesses where I didn't really believe in their values. And yes, I had a great lifestyle and yes, I had, um, a lot of money and I was very well off, but I wasn't happy inside. And no matter how much you buy or how much you do or how many trips you go on, it doesn't hide from the fact that you're not working and putting your efforts into the world in an impactful way. So the more you can orient to something that is what you love and has a positive impact on the world, the better, I think. And the money may come eventually, and maybe I will be listening to this podcast episode in five years and saying, you know, it was all coming and it may come, but I'm not doing this for the money. I'm doing this for the fulfillment and for the love of what I do and to make a positive impact on the world. So those are my three best and three worst pieces of business advice I've ever received. I would love to hear your best and your worst business advice you've ever received. I'm going to do a bunch of posts on at Brave and Boss on Instagram. So hop on over there and follow me because I'm going to do a couple of posts and you can put your best and your worst business advice in there because I'd love to hear your perspective on this. If you've loved this episode, please subscribe, rate and review in iTunes. I'd love it so much. Thank you guys. Take care. Thank you for listening to Brave and Boss, the podcast. If you want to take your e-commerce brand to the next level, be sure to check out my website at christysumer.com, where you can find all the show notes, free resources, and blog posts and principles to help you grow your online store. You can also follow me at K-R-I-S-T-I-S-O-O-M-E-R on Instagram. Find your purpose, make it happen. I'll talk to you soon.